The makers of epic pure sunflower oil, purine and pret cooking fat, yum yum peanut butter, maple margarine and niblet's cheese twists present the epic casebook. In which Inspector Carr investigates. Good evening. About six weeks ago, I aired a letter from a listener because its content had, in my opinion, a relevance to these dramatized stories from my casebook of crime. Here's another in the same genre. It's from Mr. Basil Lamprey of 14 Jessica Avenue in Berea. Among other things, he says, Last night you spoke of a senseless murder without any sort of motive. As one who was a policeman for nearly 14 years, I write to tell you there can be no such thing. It may not always be obvious, but there is always a reason. Of course, Mr. Lamprey, the dictionary definition says into Alia, some inner drive, intention or impulse that causes a person to do something or act in a certain way. Proving Mr. Lamprey's point. There must be some motive. But when relating the story of that particular murder, I said there was no apparent motive. A vastly different kettle of fish. I mentioned this gentleman's letter on this particular occasion because tonight I'm going to tell you of a motive for a murder so complex as nearly to blind us to the obvious. I've called my story Death in the Wife's Name. It's very rare indeed for Scotland Yard to receive its first intimation of a murder from its own senior police surgeon. But in fact, that's what happened on the Mancliffe case. Car? Uh, Dr. McFest on the line, sir, says it's urgent. Uh, we'll put him through. You're going through, Doctor. Speak up, please. Car? Oh, hello, Mac. What's on your mind? Murder, I think. Well, if you think it's murder, then I know it's murder. What's it all about? I wish I knew. The occupant of the flat next to mine says his wife died in the bath. It looks to me suspiciously like the bride in the bath case. Oh? Where's the husband now? Uh, still in his flat with a pretty young woman. It's all rather extraordinary. I gave him the usual story that there would have to be an inquest. As I'd be sending a police officer to take a statement from him. I'm telephoning from my own place. As I passed Mancliffe's door, which was wide open... I heard this woman say, don't just, just stand. stand there. Wait for the police, the doctor. Do something. Well, can I help you in any way? What? Oh, you're from next door, aren't you? Uh, Dr. McPherson? Yes, that's right. I don't mean to intrude. Intrude? His wife lying dead in there and you say intrude. Dead, do you say? Where? Through there, in the bathroom. I put it. She must have fainted. Oh, dear me. Did you let the bath water out? Yes, I... I didn't know what to do. She was lying there with her head under the water. Let me see now. Ah, bad business. Dead all right. Uh, there'll have to be an inquest, and the police will want statements. Uh, uh, may I use your telephone? Yes, of course. 
you got here quickly, Carl. Yeah, I tell you, Inspector, that woman didn't have heart failure or faint in the bath. She was drowned. I see. The same method used by Smith and the brides in the bath case. Yeah, yeah. There are distinct bruise marks around each ankle. Ventricular hemorrhages. Uh, someone grabbed her by the ankles, forcing the poor woman's head and shoulders into the water. Well, let's see what Hubby has to say for himself. Oh, uh, do you know him well, Mac? Uh, not at all. He moved next door with his wife about a year ago. Frankly, I avoided any friendly overtures. I don't like the man. Oh, well, let's not prejudge the issue. Shall we go? The worthy police surgeon and I walked the few yards separating the two apartments. As soon as I walked into the Mancliffe's residence, I knew that Mancliffe had come within the police orbit at some time or other. Standing next to him was a young woman dressed in black. She made little attempt to hide the blazing hostility she felt for the bereaved man. Uh, my name's Carr, New Scotland Yard. By the way, um, did you know that Dr. McPherson was our senior police surgeon? Well, I knew he was a doctor working for the government, but that's all. Now, if I go through him? That's what you're here for, isn't it, Inspector? Come on, Mac. <clears throat> There's something particularly gruesome about a naked corpse lying in an empty bar. Look at those ankles. Mm. It's quite obvious that her legs had been yanked into the air and down went her face. Any ideas of the time it happened? That's a difficulty. I think not more than an hour ago. Who's the young woman out there? Have you, uh, you seen her before? No, uh, it's an open and shut case, isn't it? Mm. Who else but the husband will have access to the bathroom while Mrs. Mancliffe was in her bath? Or for that matter... How would anyone get in the flat? That's true. Well, let's see what he's got to say for himself. Uh, Mr. Mancliffe, uh, Dr. McPherson tells me that it is his opinion that your wife did not die from heart failure, but that she was drowned. You mean she fainted in the bath and became unconscious? Uh, you tell him, Doc, will you? Uh, Mr. Mancliffe, your wife became unconscious, all right. But there is every indication that she struggled with her feet before she passed out. As a result, the person holding her ankles had to squeeze tightly in order to retain his grip. There are definite signs of skin abrasions as a result, you see. You mean she, she... was murdered, Mr. Mancliffe? Uh, how long have you been home? About half an hour. And where was your wife then? Well, I found her in the... You... You don't think that... Please, Mr. Mancliffe, isn't it obvious the spot you're in? Are you suggesting that I killed I'm my wife? I'm not suggesting anything. You say that you arrived back about half an hour ago. Well, what happened? I came in with Mrs. Morris here. Just a minute. You two came in together? Yes. Go on. Well, I walked into the flat. Edith's hat and coat were in the hall. I called out to her that Carol Morris was with me. I got no answer. Yes. Then I noticed that the bathroom door was open. There she was. My first thought was to try and get her out of the bath, but... Mrs. Morris, she seemed the more competent one. She let the water out and then suggested I call a doctor. Luckily, our next-door neighbor heard us and came in. You mean Dr. McPherson? Yeah. Yes. Had you two been out together? Yes. For how long? All the afternoon. We've been having litigation. Litigation? My husband committed suicide over Oliver Mancliffe. This swine ruined us. I took him to court. <laughs> Mm. 
Then it hit me. Of course, the case of Morris versus Manfield. Both partners had been disbarred and could no longer act as lawyers. I remembered reading of the suicide of Emmanuel Morris. The situation was becoming intriguing, to say the least. I seem to remember something of the litigation you're talking about. Dr. McPherson is of the opinion that Mrs. Mancliffe was killed between the hours of... Uh, let me see what's the time now. Okay. Between the hours of five and six o'clock this evening. Are you saying that this gentleman was in your company all that time? Yes, that is what I'm saying. Oh, don't misunderstand me. Oliver Mancliffe is quite capable of murder. After all, he murdered my husband. Oh, Manny wasn't murdered in the legal sense of the word. But this swine drove him to suicide. Now, look, now just here. a moment, just a moment. You say you arrived together. Where had you been? Mancliffe and I reached some sort of agreement. We went over all the documents in my house. This cunning swine ruined my husband by putting every cent he's got in his wife's name. We came back here to get her agreement. I see. Mr. Mancliffe, despite Mrs. Morris's alibi, you're a very strong suspect. Now, oh, don't no. interrupt, don't interrupt me. You may be a victim of circumstance. Have you any idea who would want to kill your wife? Well, my wife and I went our own ways. As Mrs. Morris so charmingly put it, Edith held the purse strings. I knew she was having an affair with someone, and frankly, I didn't care. What's his name? I what is he... his name, Mr. Mancliffe? Basil Axted. He's the solicitor who acted for my wife. I just can't believe it. Edith? Drowned in a bath? He did it. He knew that Edith was going to change her will. She said so only yesterday. Really? You're a man of the world, Mr. Axted. I've been making inquiries, and there's no doubt about it that you and Edith Mancliffe were lovers. True. Well, what of it? I've also discovered that Edith Mancliffe was worth a considerable amount of money. Was there any possibility of the two of you marrying? Oh, don't make me laugh. Do you think that swine would give her a divorce? Don't you know that he put every cent he'd got in her name because of the Clanville Investment Trust scandal? But surely if Mrs. Mancliffe wanted her freedom, she could have bought it, given him half or something? What good would it have been to him? Mrs. Morris was awarded something like £120,000. He declared himself bankrupt, been preparing for it a long time. And the investors lost their money. He and his partner were disbarred. It broke poor old Manny Morris's heart. Straight as a die, that bloke was. His partner was fiddling the books right under his nose. That's why he blew his brains out. Couldn't stand the disgrace. Now do you see why Mancliffe wouldn't give his wife a divorce? And what happens now she's dead? Well, at least he gets the money. You're her solicitor. How much of the money? You must understand, Inspector, that this will was drawn up some years ago. Four, to be exact. It merely states that she leaves her entire possessions to her husband. And then she added a codicil about two years ago. Mark you, she was going to alter it. Please, Mr. Axted, let's stick to essentials. Well, about two years ago, she added a codicil, leaving a bequest of 50,000 pounds. To whom? To me. So, you had a motive for her death, too, had you? <laughs> Nonsense. Look here, Inspector. Edith was coming to this office to draw up an entirely new will. And if you must know, she was going to leave me the lot. She was much younger than her husband, and I... Well, I never thought I'd live to inherit it. But with her sudden death? You may not believe me, but I loved that woman. Edith made this generous bequest, but I was not after her money, and I did not kill her. Where were you between the hours of five and six yesterday? 
five and six. Let me see. I, um, well, well, this may sound a bit silly, Inspector. I went home at about five o'clock, switched on the radio, and fell asleep in front of the fire. I see. And later, weren't you expecting to see or talk to the woman you loved? As you promised to telephone, we'd vaguely planned supper together. But she did not telephone you. No. Didn't that worry you? Not really. It's happened before. Oliver doing one of his sadistic acts, staying around in the flat, even though he himself was probably anxious to go to his fancy bit. Do you mean Mrs. Morris? <laughs> Mrs. Morris? Oh, you can't be serious, Inspector. I've acted for Mrs. Mancliffe, and I know what Mrs. Morris is like. She loved Manny Morris. She swore to get even with Mancliffe. She hates his guts. And yet she swears that Mancliffe was with her during the time that the unfortunate woman was being murdered. Then you must accept it. Why should she try to protect Mancliffe? But you mentioned a, a fancy bits, the term you used. Has he got a girlfriend? Well, I suppose you could call her that. She's a chorus girl. Calls herself Star Treadway. I wouldn't put it past her to bump off her fancy boy's wife. The murdered woman whose death will enrich the husband she loathed and the man she loved. The husband has a cast-iron alibi. The shrewd intelligence solicitor could only protest that at the time that Mrs. Mantiff was being murdered, he was snoozing in front of his fire. Perhaps her money was not the motive at all. I thought I'd have a word with the lady who called herself Star Treadway. Yes? I'm looking for Miss Treadway. Well, she's not here. But I was assured that she lived here. Who are you? I happen to be a police officer. Car, New Scotland Yard. I won't. Oh, you better come in. Come. Uh, may I ask your name? It's Miller. Joe Miller. And I've never been in trouble with the police in my life. Well, I'm sure you haven't. There's no need to be defensive, Mr. Miller. Ah, oh, it's a nice picture over there. Is that Star Treadway? Yes, it is. Taken when she was appearing in the Lovables. I take it that Star Treadway's real name is Miller. Yes. Yes, it is. Faye Miller. And I'm her father. Is it about, uh, about what I read in the paper this afternoon? Mrs. Mantiff, yes. Oh, thank goodness my Faye is out of it all. I'd like a word with her, if I may. Oh, you'll have to go a long way. What do you mean? I saw her off at the airport on Tuesday oh, night. she gone? New York. I told her there was no future with this Oliver Mancliffe. I was out to be her father. I told him, too. Kept promising to divorce his wife and marry her. Marry her? <laughs> he hadn't got two pennies to rub together, except what his wife gave him. What sort of man is that? Oh, thank goodness they decided to take Bubble with Joy to Broadway. Bubble with Joy? Yes, you know, the show with Joy Manship. They asked my Faye if she'd like to go, and she accepted. She knew that if she kept on seeing this Oliver Mancliffe, I'd have done for him. You have to make her poor mother turn in her grave. Do you mind telling me on what airlines travelled? I'll tell you anything now. She's out of his clutches. Anglo-American Airways. He killed his missus, I'll tell you that. Oh, just a routine question, Mr. Miller. Where were you between five and six the night before last? <laughs> Where was I? Where I always am. At the Daily Echo. I'm a machine minder. Ah, well, that's sad. Sorry to have taken up so much of your time. I think I've got some heavy telephoning to do.
Yes, sir. Uh, put me through to operations. Going through. Operations. Car here. The Manfred case. Yes, sir. We're getting nowhere fast. Get through to Anglo-American Airways. Find out if Star Treadway was a passenger on Tuesday night. She's probably flying under her proper name, Faye Miller. That's the name that'll be on her passport. Right, sir. And I want everything you can get on Basil Axted, Joe Miller. Are you taking the names down? Oh, yes, sir. Mrs. Carol Morris and, of course, Oliver Mancliffe. I want them photographed. I want every available man to foot slog, call on taxis, shop, bus stops. I want to know if any of them were seen anywhere near Clifton Mansions round about 5.30. Oh, very good. And tell them it's a matter of extreme urgency. Oh, right away, Inspector. <sighs> yes, come in. Oh, am I glad to see you. Come on in, sit down. Let's have a talk. Ah, oh, brain's going round in ever-decreasing circles, Mac. I brought you the blow-ups from the lab. Oh, good. Yeah. Now, you see those marks? Mm-hmm. There's no question this photograph will be Exhibit A when he goes up for trial. He? Who? Well, I, I think it would have to be a man. I don't think any average woman would have the strength to yank those legs upwards. Oh, fair enough. Now we've established it's a male. Who? Mac... Why do you have to live in such a secluded block of flats? Why couldn't you have lived somewhere where there are people around? What? <laughs> Still no eyewitnesses, uh, eh? No, not from the local boys. I put X branch on the job. I was phoning operations when you came in. <sighs> if only that Mrs. Morris... She, she couldn't be lying. She couldn't be protecting Manfred. Oh, come, come, Inspector. What are you seeing? Yeah, since I've become personally involved in the woman's death, I've been looking up the newspaper accounts. You know, those are the swindle. Hmm? And this man, Emmanuel Morris's suicide. You know, she hates Mantliff. Has X branch tried to link the two together? You know, emotionally, I mean. Oh, we've been through their movements with a tooth comb. In point of fact, we've discovered some letters Mantliff wrote to Mrs. Morris saying that her financial demands were verging on blackmail. Is he telling the truth when he says nothing was taken from the flat? Why should he lie? If he could prove burglary, that strengthens his innocence. All my instincts tell me that I'm mad. I'm stark staring mad. Of course he killed her. But what about Mrs. Morris? She's lying. It's a fake. What reason? What motive? Never mind. I'll tell you later. But all my instincts tell me that he's the killer. Hey, but can you prove it? No, of course not. Neither can I prove that the alibis are fake. We've been so convinced that Mrs. Morris was an angel of innocence that we haven't concentrated enough on that lady. Mac, I think we're getting somewhere at last. I help you? Uh, is this Mrs. Morris's house? Yes, it is, but she's away. She's away at work. She won't return until after six o'clock. Oh, dear. Isn't there anyone in, do you know? No, not a soul. She does all her own housework and cooking. It hasn't been easy for her since her husband died. Terrible business. Huh? I see you're working in the garden, are you? Garden? Oh, yes. Yeah. I see what you mean. I live next door. You might say I'm a gardener. Not that I expect any payment for it, being retired. Well, she can't afford to employ a gardener. I enjoy pottering around here now and again. Spend most of my time out of doors. Were you pottering around last Thursday, around about half past five? Yeah, when she found that woman dead in her bath? Yes, I read all about it. 
a terrible experience for her. In the flat of the man that caused her husband to commit suicide to her. Oh, you know all about that, do you? No, of course I do. I remember when Manny and Carol Morris first moved into this house. He was a gentleman through and through. Even though they said he couldn't practice as a lawyer anymore. It's a pity that Mrs. Morris didn't stay at home that Thursday afternoon. She'd have been spared all this publicity. That's what I think. Tell me what she was doing there. Yeah, I, I was here working in the garden that afternoon. What did you say? Why? I, I just said I was here working in the garden the day Mrs. Mangliff was killed. All afternoon? Yes. It was um, exactly a week ago. I spent every Thursday afternoon here. Well, that's why I'm here today. Did Mr. Mancliffe ever come to this house? <laughs> you must be joking. Oh, there I am, rambling away. Uh, who are you? Oh, my name's Carr. Inspector Carr, New Scotland Yard, and I can't thank you enough. Yes, sir. Ah, Mr. Mancliffe. So they found you. What is this? Why did that sergeant drag me here? He didn't drag you here, Mr. Mancliffe, and it's no use you assuming that holier-than-thou look. I'm detaining you under the act. Detaining me? You must be out of your mind. Do you mean to say that I'm under arrest? Only for purposes of questioning. But I think I'd better give you the usual warning that anything you say may be taken down and used in evidence. As a solicitor, I know my rights. You forget I'm a legal man. Of course. Sergeant, uh, take this... Gentleman into the charge room next door. He may make any telephone calls he wishes. Right, sir. Inspector, you'll make yourself the laughing stock of the force. Yes? She's here, sir. Oh, good. She can come straight in. Her accomplice is in the charge room. Yes? I just. Oh, our police surgeon and witness. Come in, Mac. Come in. Sit down. She's on her way up. Surely you want me to stay. Well, I'm a busy woman, and I don't know why I'm being treated like this. Oh, come on through, Mrs. Morris, and I'll tell you. Inspector Carr, I have a living to make, you know. What is the meaning of this? All right, Sergeant, you may go. Frankly, I'm trying to make up my mind whether to charge you with collusion, which means a murder rap, or the lesser charge of attempting to defeat the ends of justice. Were you and Mancliffe lovers, after all? Oh, joking, Yet you gave him a false alibi. You protected him from being punished for a fiendish and brutal murder. Didn't you know that that nice neighbour of yours would be working in your garden as he does every Thursday afternoon? Would see who entered or left your house? Oh, no. Oh, yes, Mrs. Morris. Your alibi isn't as watertight, is it? Oh, oh. It's a bit late for tears. Oh, Did you assist in the woman's murder? Oh, not you don't understand. No, I don't. Enlighten me. I, I got a terrible letter from him. I'm, I'm desperately short of money, you see. It, it was my husband, and it belonged to my husband. Oliver Mancliffe made everything over to his wife. I thought I'd throw myself on her mercy. Go and talk to her. I got to the flat, rang the bell. There was no answer, and I, I tried the door. Mrs. Mancliffe! What? Stay away from me, you fool! No. No, what have you done? What have you done? She was wearing a rubber apron. It was quite obvious what he'd done. And yet you were prepared to give him an alibi. Yes. Yes, I was. You're under arrest, and I give you the usual warning. 
I never would have believed it. Well, if she hadn't left the front door open, they might have concocted an even stronger alibi. But you hearing her shout, call a doctor... What's going to happen to her? Oh, just had word from the Crown Solicitor. What with her husband's suicide and the fact she's morally entitled to all that money, which the law doesn't permit her to get, the public prosecutor has decided to drop the charge of causing a public mischief by attempting to defeat the ends of justice. In fact... She will be the public prosecutor's star witness. Yeah, I'm still confused. Why did she give the alibi in the first place? She obviously hated Mancliffe. She had a very strong motive indeed. It was this. Well, listeners, I wonder if you've guessed the motive prompting Mrs. Morris to fake an alibi for the man she hated. Not sure? Well, listeners, what possible reason could Mrs. Morris have for shielding Oliver Mancliffe? It was this. As he pointed out to her when she walked in on what was the completion of an act of murder, everything that the Mancliffs owned, a considerable sum, was in Mrs. Mancliffe's name. He stood to inherit in the event of her death, but the law says that if it can be proved that the main beneficiary was responsible for that death, he does not inherit a farthing. Money reverts to the crown, except for any other bequests that have been made. Do you see it now? So long as Mancliffe was a free man, there was every chance of Mrs. Morris getting some monies. With his arrest, she wouldn't. Oh, the moral of the story. Careful how you dispose of your assets to your wife. You may be throwing out the body with the bathwater. Good night. The Epic Casebook was produced by Michael Silver for the makers of Epic Pure Sunflower Oil, Maple Margarine, Yum Yum Peanut Butter, and Niblet Cheese Twists, with Hugh Ross as Inspector Carr. Listen again next Thursday night at 9.30 to another exciting story from our Epic Casebook.